podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Tuesday after a bank holiday weekend on which Liverpool beat Tottenham Hotspur by four goals to three in what I believe to be the dumbest game, certainly of Jurgen Klopp's tenure, and maybe ever. What a stupid game of football. Liverpool go three up within 15 minutes. Three minutes in, gorgeous cross from Trent. Curtis arrives at the back post and finishes very calmly. Two minutes later, Cody Gakbo creates the chance that Luis Diaz finishes. Liverpool were rampant. Spurs had no answer. Spurs looked like they gave up. On 15 minutes, Cody Gakbo is brought down in the penalty area by Romero. Salah steps up, having missed his last two penalties. You were unsure on this one. But he put it home and it was 3-0. And that was game over. Spurs had given up. They weren't pressing as a team. They showed no signs of belief. They looked like they just wanted to go home. Some of their fans did go home. Some of their fans left on the 15-minute mark. We continued to batter them for another couple of minutes. And then we took our foot off the pedal. And we got very complacent and started being a little too arrogant with the ball. And they took that personally. And they got back into the game. And for the last 10 minutes or so of the the first half, they had three really good opportunities. Now, to be fair, one of them was deemed to be offside. That ended in Sun hitting the post. But... Actually, they had four big chances, including that one. There was a decent chance for Kane. There was the Kane goal. And then there was the Kulosevsky chance. And I've missed one, haven't I? Didn't Son had one cleared off the line by Virgil? Like, we just collapsed defensively we were all over the place Harvey's inability to defend started to become an issue because he wasn't getting back into position Ibu was being asked to do far too much Virgil was being asked to do far too much and Andy Robertson had an absolute nightmare Andy Robertson had a really poor game at both ends of the pitch and to be truthful Andy Robertson has been poor most of the season. This 
new shape doesn't suit him at all. And people will point to the fact that he has two assists since we moved to this shape, but they both came from set pieces. It wasn't like he produced anything really in open play. Uh, He had an involvement in the Salah goal against Leeds on a counter-attack. But Andy Robertson's defensive issues are massive in this shape. And all the things that make him a really good fullback really do lessen his chances of being good in this area. He's too frantic, too frenetic. Everything's at 100 miles an hour. He's too reactive. He's got a very see ball, go to ball type of mindset. And unfortunately, as a central defender, which is what this role calls for, you have to be a bit more calculated. You have to be a bit more proactive. You have to read the game a little bit better. We went in 3-1 up, but really and truthfully, if it had been 3-3, we couldn't really have complained at all because we had just given them their route back into the game. And when we came out for the second half, once again, they were significantly better than we were and had two good opportunities that could have brought them level. Then Jürgen decided to make changes. He brought on Henderson and Jota for Elliot and Diaz. And we got significantly worse. Harvey off-ball was awful. On-ball wasn't great. Did create one good chance for Cody. But the thing he did that was really important was he made the shape make sense with the positions that he took up. And what he was doing when we had possession facilitated Trent and Mo much better than they have been facilitated in recent games. The change made us worse defensively and it made us worse on the ball. Neither player that came on were good at all. Then he took Cody off and brought on Darwin. That also made us worse. They scored through Sun. It's a fairly straightforward goal. Andy Robertson plays him onside because he's not holding the defensive line. It's 3-2. Then he brings on James Milner for Curtis. And Curtis had been excellent, easily the best of the midfielders again. He brings on James Milner to see out the game. It's one thing bringing on James Milner when you're 3-1 up and you're playing a bad team and you're just looking to keep the ball and see the game out because Milner will make the right decision with the ball. But Milner can't run, and he's never been a good tackler, ever. Not any time in his career. James Milner's tackling is worse than Paul Scholes' tackling was, and Paul Scholes was a notoriously terrible tackler. Now, it should never have come to this, and I'll talk about why in a second, but Milner... commits a stupid, stupid foul in our half with, you know, a minute left on the clock, whatever it was. It's a simple ball into the box and we're just badly set up to defend it. I don't know why, but we are. 
And Richarlison gets in round the back and scores, and it's 3-3. And the fucking prick that he is, he's pigeon dancing and just making a show of himself. The chap has a tattoo of himself. And I don't know what the more embarrassing part of it is. The fact that he has a tattoo of himself or the fact that he also has a tattoo of Neymar on his back. Can you imagine being Neymar going into the Brazil dressing room and seeing your own face looking back at you from someone else's back? Now, to be fair, Neymar is that weird that he probably enjoys it, but, you know, normal people I don't think would. So it's 3-3 and it looks like we've just thrown away a three-goal lead at home. But thankfully, thankfully, no matter how hard you spurs, Spurs will also outspurs you. And Lucas Mora, under no pressure, plays a poor back pass from an aimless ball from Ali right into the path of Diogo Jota, who runs on, has a glance at the corner, and sticks it in the corner. 4-3 to Liverpool. And thankfully, we get out of there with the win. And uh, it is three points... I wouldn't say earned, but three points collected. We're now fifth in the league. We are two points clear of Spurs with the game in hand. So we're looking good value for a Europa League spot with five games left. Now, there was a lot of controversy throughout and after this game. So let's start. Luis Diaz picks the ball up on the left wing. Makes his way past a couple of players. And Ollie Skip flings himself into a challenge, catches him well above the ankle, and no free kick is even given. Now, the replays show this was a clear red card, but VAR decided it wasn't a red card because VAR doesn't like to correct Paul Tierney because it's been noted and reported multiple times Paul Tierney doesn't take well to having his decisions overturned. Um, so that's that's moment one that is significant in this game. In the second half, Diogo Jota catches Ollie Skip with a high foot. Now, a couple of things on this. Ollie Skip kind of dives towards the ball. Jota doesn't kick through it. And Jota makes contact with the ball first. So if the argument in favour of Skip on the Diaz one as he got the ball, well, so did Jota um, even more clearly than Oli Skip. But Oli Skip ends up needing a couple of stitches in his head. Now, I could see a case for it being a red card. We've seen players sent off for similar. But then you look at the Erling Haaland incident earlier in the season, which is much more dangerous than this was, and he didn't get a red card for that one. So I don't know what the right decision is here. Maybe it should have been a red card. Maybe the yellow card was the right decision. But it's in no way worse or more dangerous or more reckless than what Oli Skip did to Diaz. That is a far worse tackle that can have far worse consequences. What basically happened was Oli Skip headbutted Diogo Jota's foot. Luis Diaz nearly had his leg broken. Um, 
Then, their third goal. Ball played, down the line. Mo goes after it. And Ben Davies is dragging his arm. Literally dragging out of his arm. And Mo fends him off and Davies hits the floor like he's been shot. And somehow he gets a free kick. And that free kick begins the phase of play that leads to the free kick Milner gives away. But that free kick should have been given to us. We should have had, had an attacking free kick on the edge of their box. But we didn't. Instead, they get the free kick. They move the ball around. They win another free kick and they score from that free kick. So if anyone has right to be aggrieved on this game, it is very much us, not them. Um, they could have scored a bunch of goals. Don't get me wrong. They could have scored five or six. We only had four shots on target, so you know we couldn't have scored five or six. But we were the better team for more of the game. We let them back in. Their goals are our fault. There's very little they could do about two of the goals we scored. We just played through them. We could and should have stopped all three of their goals. In the aftermath of the Jota goal, Jürgen runs straight over to the fourth official to remonstrate over something that he feels was wrong. Now, Jürgen was wrong to do that. I understand he was frustrated, but he was wrong to do that. And if he does face a ban, it's probably warranted. However, he made a comment after the game about something Paul Tierney said to him that he felt was unacceptable. The PGMOL have said that they've listened back to the tape and have decided that Tierney acted professionally. Yet, funnily enough, Paul Tierney has been stood down from refereeing a game this weekend. And the PGMOL are not going to release that that audio of the conversation or the interaction between Tierney and Klopp. Why? If it completely invalidates what Klopp said and is going to make Jurgen Klopp look like a liar, then play the tape. If it's not... I'm going to choose to believe that you're covering something up and that your action, which being standing Tierney down, is evidence that you're covering something up. Because in a situation where it's a he said, he said, and one person has nothing to gain by lying, but the other person has a history of lying, I'm going to believe that the person with the history of lying is lying. So PGMOL... I believe are lying. Think back to the Virgil injury at Everton where it was said on the air that they didn't look, the the VAR did not look at Pickford's foul on Van Dyke. Didn't even look at it. Looked at the offside only. Made a decision based on the offside. Didn't look at the foul. After the game, the PGMOL come out and say, oh no, we did look at the foul. And then the referee involved in an interview given to one of the national newspapers a couple of months later confirms that no, in fact, we didn't look at it. 
So I'm not going to believe anything that comes out of the PGMOL because they're self-serving. Now, Martin Cassidy, who is the chairman, CEO, I don't really know, of a, a group called Ref Support, has called for Liverpool to get a points deduction. Now, the only thing I can say about Martin Cassidy is he might be the most strange little man who gets an incredible amount of attention despite being an absolute nobody. Uh, He started a charity to support referees. I can only assume he was never good enough to be a player, maybe didn't make the grade as a referee, and yet has this fetish towards referees. And every time Liverpool are involved in something, and particularly Jurgen Klopp in something to do with a referee, this little prick chirps up and has something to say. But yet when David Moyes verbally attacked the referees and the referee, the VAR and the assistants after Liverpool versus West Ham, not a word from Mr. Cassidy. He wasn't to be heard from. When Pep Guardiola or Mikel Arteta have pops at referees, he's rarely heard from. Yet any time Liverpool are involved, up he pops. And unfortunately, I'm giving him uh, the oxygen of publicity here. Um, but it's largely to just request that we stop doing this. He's not worthy of listening to. He's a moron. And he's irrelevant. Who is he? Get to fuck. This is Anfield has ranked Liverpool's top 10 stoppage time winners under Jurgen Klopp. Right, let's get into this. This was put together by Sam Mill. Uh, Clavan versus Burnley. Ragnar Clavan. What a great man. The Toby Alderweireld OG versus Tottenham in 2018-19. Jota on Sunday. Lalana versus Norwich. Origi versus Wolves. Mane versus Aston Villa as he got booted in the face. Didn't notice any calls for a red card there as Sadio Mane gets Kung Fu kicked in the face while scoring a goal. Uh, Sadio versus Everton. Lovren versus Dortmund. Allison versus West Brom. And of course, number one is and will always be Divock Origi versus Everton. However, I assume this is just from the Klopp. Yeah, it's the Klopp era. It's the Klopp era. Um, I, I may have already said that. Anyway... Uh, there's a piece on Darwin here. There's a piece on Klopp. Piece about your about Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunes spending as much time together as they can. Obviously, Diaz been at the club a little bit longer, probably a better grasp on the English language. Uh, there's a piece about Harvey Elliott. There's a really good piece here from Adam Beatty about Paul Tierney and Jurgen Klopp and their history of incidents between each other. And it dates back to 2017. 
and frankly has ramped up significantly since 2020. We played Villa. Ginny didn't get a free kick that he should have got. Klopp was furious and Tierney told him to get over it. We played Newcastle. Sadio Mane was fouled by Carl Darlow. Paul Tierney decided not to give it. We played Manchester United. Sadio was through on goal. The referee blew for half time before the full minute of stoppage time had elapsed. A little bit strange. Played Tottenham. Andy Robertson was sent off. But Harry Kane was not. Of course, there was the recent incident where Andy Robertson was elbowed in the face by a linesman. And by the way, um, I didn't notice any irony at all in the calls for Klopp to be banned for, you know, having a go at a referee when this linesman basically got a one-week holiday for elbowing a player in the face. It's bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Uh, so that's a good piece. Check that out there when you get a chance. Um, there is gathering momentum, perhaps, on a move for Manuel Ugart. It's been reported more and more commonly now that we are very much interested in him. So that's a that's a player that would be a great addition. Uh, Liverpool player loved by Harry Kane and Jamie Carragher is near 12-goal weapon for Liverpool. Okay. Um, Chelsea, sorry, Liverpool favourite could seal 37 million Chelsea transfer as top Jurgen Klopp target identified. Let's have a gander at this. Uh, Sadio Mane on the move again. Apparently Chelsea want him. Not going to happen. Uh, there's a piece with Mason Mount a claim that he's our top target I, I don't believe he is I believe he's he is a target but not necessarily the best of the top target um, Liverpool double 92 million dollar transfer bargain becoming even clearer as Darwin Nunes is actually proof a headline that says it's basically a word salad um, it's a picture of Darwin and Ben Doak it's a piece about Sadio Liverpool's best playmaker is also Liverpool's best defender. Liverpool's best... Jurgen Klopp's best playmaker is also the best Liverpool defender. As Spurs expose massive risk. What is this? I genuinely don't know what to make of this. Oh, I don't care. Don't care enough. Uh, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. Anyway, 
There's a few other bits and bobs there. You can read them yourself. On to AnfieldIndex.com. Klopp's shock as Thiago plays tactical whisperer. So if you might have seen, Jürgen looked a little bit confused at the sight of Thiago whispering to Darwin before Darwin came on, probably just passing on the instructions uh, in, a, in a language that Darwin could fully understand. Uh, there's a post-mortem piece on the Tottenham game. There's a deeper look into the feud between Jürgen and Paul Tierney, written by Ben Poscod. Um, Salah Diaz Gakpo, OG Front 3, version 2.0. This piece was written by David Davis. And there's a piece here put together by Eddie, um, which is just about a recent report that Barcelona would be interested in bringing Thiago home. Um, and I'll leave it to other people to decide whether that's a good decision or not. I'll just say I think it's stupid to even consider it. But um, podcast-wise, there's a Nina Kauser show. There is a post-match Raw, both from Spurs game, obviously. And Harry has his Fulham preview up and ready on Rival Recon. And... Um, we will have a scouted for that as well. Then there'll be a raw and so on and so forth. There'll be loads this week. Uh, that's all I have for today, folks. Thanks a million. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.